Amanda Klutz was the wife of a wonderful actor by the name of Nick Cordero, a Tony-nominated actor, very famous in the Broadway community, who fought valiantly against COVID-19 and ultimately went home to God. Amanda's with us today to talk about the experience of fighting COVID-19 and the love she had for Nick. Stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Gemosanti, and Amanda Klutz joins me now. Amanda is co-host of the CBS show, The Talk, a celebrity fitness trainer, and a former Broadway dancer. In March of 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, Amanda's husband, Broadway star and Tony Award nominee Nick Cadero, was hospitalized for what he and Amanda believed was a severe case of pneumonia. After an eventual diagnosis of COVID-19, that led to Nick being placed on a ventilator, Amanda took to documenting their journey on social media, showing the dangers of COVID-19 and what it posed to everyone, including her young, otherwise healthy husband. Her updates on Instagram quickly captivated millions, inspiring people around the world to dance and sing Nick's song called Live Your Life and to offer positive thoughts and prayers. Amanda has now written a book with her sister Anna called Live Your Life, my story of loving and losing Nick Cordero. She's here with us today to talk about her life with Nick, their young son, Elvis, Nick's fight for survival, facing his loss and her faith that continues to sustain her. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, Amanda Klutz. Amanda, first question is a simple one, but I'm intrigued by it. Uh, not by the name Amanda, but tell me about that great last name of yours. Ha, Klutz. Well, and before it was Klutz, it was Von Klutz, um, you know, my wow. ancestors. So my grandpa was Dutch. Okay. And um, yeah, when they traveled over to America, they, you know, got rid of the Von to obviously be more, you know, streamlined and American. So then it's just Klutz. Mm -hmm. I, I love it. And it's unique and it's wonderful and it fits you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to ask, ask you too. Last week, a guy named Dallas Jenkins, who has this great new TV series called The Chosen about the life of Christ. He's the director, producer, creator. We got talking about the choices you make in marriage. And I asked him, I said, could you have picked someone who didn't share the experience of faith with you? And he said, probably not. And I remember talking to Kristen Chenoweth years ago, and I said, well, she'd been with this very... Uh, well-spoken, terrifically talented guy, but he was, he was Jewish. And I said, why did the relationship break up? And she said, I couldn't imagine spending my life without someone who didn't know and love Jesus the way I do. Now, mm -hmm. you talk very openly about the fact that you and Nick were not always on the same page religiously, but you guys, I think, handled it in, in a way that uh, most couples I know handle it. They, they, they make it work or they try to make it work. Tell us how that went down for you. Yeah. And in fact, my my previous husband for, before Nick also did not share my faith. Um, if I get married again, <laughs> <laughs> I, I laugh that I'm Elizabeth Taylor. Um, uh, if I get married again, it is something that I would love to find. I, I would love to find that. But um, no, you know, 
We fought about it a lot. We really did. You know, I grew up um, going to Lutheran church. It was a beautiful environment. It was not, I mean, we were basically, you know, you knew you had to go to church on Sundays, but it was never, you know, you have to go to church. You know, it was never like, um, you know, a do or die kind of thing. And our whole family sat in the front row and we were usually in matching dresses and we loved going to Sunday school and, and vacation Bible school. And we loved our church friends and the youth group. And it was just always a wonderful environment. And we were taught to question and ask questions and be a part of the service. And it was just a beautiful, honestly, church family to grow up in. And Nick didn't have that. He Uh grew up in a church that unfortunately he felt was full of hypocrites. And he Mm. saw, you know, one thing at church and one thing when you weren't at church. And so he had a very negative um, idea about church. And so he, we fought about it a lot and, um, and almost broke up about it because I told him, I said, listen, I can't, I cannot raise my kid without, without this, like, it's just, I have to be able to take him to to her or her to church with me to teach him about Jesus and God and pray and all the things. And eventually he said, okay, listen, um, I love you. So I obviously love this part of you because this is such a huge part of you that it's, you know, it exists in you. And I know the type of Christian you are. And he said, so as long as we still encourage all of us to ask questions and be a curious mind, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you handle that part of it if you want. Right. And so we kind of came to that conclusion. That's kind of a nice conclusion too, that he was, uh, and makes great sense too. I love this woman and she is filled with the spirit of God. So there must be something good in this whole faith stuff, you know, look what it's done to her and, and good, good, good. Do you have any idea? And I know it's early in the game, but. Is there a right or wrong way to to teach Elvis about faith and God and God's love? That is such a good question. That is, it really is because, and actually I feel like honored to be, I'm going to flip this question back on you. I feel like, because, <laughs> you know, I, I love reading the Bible. I find so much comfort in Bible stories and lessons and verses and, you know, I think nowadays people can say the Bible is archaic, right? Or they'll say what's taught in the Bible isn't, um, you know, what is going on in the world today kind of thing. And so I feel like even as a parent, I go back and forth with like, okay, how do I teach him to read the Bible and believe in the Bible? Because I do love reading the Bible and believe in it and its lessons and teachings. But then also, you know, there's a huge part of me even that like questions the things in the Bible sometimes and does that same question of like, is this archaic? Like, are we like if Jesus was down on this earth today, you know, what would what would he say today? Does it matter the time? You know, I feel like what I will say, though, about that before I hope you answer this question, too, I will (laughs) say that I believe one of the overlying topics in the Bible is love. Like mm-hmm. Jesus is love. He loved everyone. It's like love, love, love. Yep. And so I think if I can teach Elvis that faith, that religion, church, Jesus, 
is that's the foundation is love. I think that is a way to bring up a child in a, with a healthy relationship with religion. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Amanda. And I love that passage in St. Paul where he says, is there anything, anything that we can ever do that will separate us from the love of God? And the answer, of mm-hmm. course, is no. And if Elvis can know that no matter what he chooses to do in life, no matter where he goes, whatever happens to him, that he's got a God who carries him always and forever, no matter what, that would be great. And going back to something you said earlier, too, about Nick's experience, I think, uh, you know, there's no better way to teach faith than to live it truly. When I look at the Gospels, I see the biggest sin that Jesus picks on time and time again, 17 times I count of, is hypocrisy. So mm-hmm. that if we can be sincere in the way we live our faith and try to live, as you said, as Jesus did, then Elvis never has to be like his dad and say, see those Christians, they're such hypocrites, because we're right. not going to fall for that. We're going to show them, no, we're sincere and true. So right. everything you said is, and the Bible stories, most of them are really great. Some of them are a little scary, but most, <laughs> yeah. most of them are good. And at the end of the day, you know, you can't go wrong by just saying, I want to just do what Jesus did. I mean, if yeah. we could live like him, think about the world we'd have, you know, and the hypocrisy continues because he broke laws sometimes in the name of love. And there are people then and there are people now who say it's got to be all rigid. There's only one way. And he clearly showed us now. Not so, not so. Right. You're going to be great with Elvis. <laughs> well, well, thank you. But, and you know what also is that those Bible stories kept me in line as a kid. Yeah. You know, I mean, I didn't have necessarily a fear of God, but I definitely did have a fear of God and a fear of letting my parents down mm-hmm. and a fear of doing something wrong that I knew from a higher power wasn't right. And so I feel like, for a child, especially in this day and age, to have some sort of anything, even higher than a parent, to to hold themselves to yeah. is, I think, a really beautiful thing. Like, I held myself to my parents' expectations, but then above that, I was like, but Jesus is watching, too. And I had that in me all the time. It was all the yeah. time. Yeah. And, you know, it, it keeps you in it. It keeps you to be a good kid. Right, right, right. It sure does. It can, it can almost never hurt, as far as I can see, to be familiar exactly. with the, the stories in the Bible. Amanda Clouse, our guest, and Amanda, I want to ask you this because it, it intrigues me. We, you, and I, you and I know that the Lord God did not decide, I think I'll take Nick's life. But yeah. um, it would be understandable, because uh, so many people go through this, when bad things happen to really good people, that they go through a period of great anger, of shaking their fist in God's face, uh, even if they don't think he did it, they say, "How? why did the good God allow this to even happen? Um, mm-hmm. Did you go through a period? Have you gone through? Are you going through any period where you're, you're ticked off with God? And, you know, I'll add to that that I think if we are ticked off with God, it's like any love relationship. He's going to carry us even when through our anger. So it's not the worst thing in the world. But how about yourself? Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. When, yeah. um, you know, there's that Bible verse about when one or more come in my name, you know, your answer will, your, your prayer will be answered. Right. And, um, so I got very mad because I had the whole world praying. I had (laughs) the whole world (laughs) praying. (laughs) And not only that, I had so many messages from people Mm. that would say, I haven't prayed in 10 years. I haven't prayed since I was a little kid. I'm an atheist and I'm (laughs) on my knees praying for your husband. Wow. And I was like, God, hello. <laughs> like, why yeah. aren't you helping us out here? Like, 
save this man's life. I'm like, we, we've got a, a, like, what a better story to give him a code Rocky and walk him out of this hospital. <laughs> and I can be like, look what God did, you know? Yeah. Um, and I yelled. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple of times I said to my mom and dad in full tears, you know, why isn't he listening? Why isn't he answering our prayers? It's like, come on, this isn't fair. Right. And, um, and then I was in the hospital one day and this part's in the book and, um, and they told me he's got an hour, maybe they like, there's, they said, there is nothing else medically that we can do for him, Amanda. And Mm. I, they left me alone finally. And I was in the room alone with Nick and I was in tears, of course. And I just looked at him and I was praying and I'll tell you, I have, I, I, I almost long for those days. Cause I, I was praying back in those, those 95 days. Like I've never prayed before in my entire life. Like the, I don't know where, I mean, the Holy spirit was giving me some sort of influence. I was saying prayers that I could, I, I wish I could say now, you know, um, right. And I said, I said, God, thy will be done. I said, I have faith in you. I trust you. I I don't know why this is happening. If you take him, I, I, I will try to understand. I may never understand, but I will try. And if you let him live, I will be forever grateful. But this is your will. This is not mine. And not only did he live another hour, he lived another, I think, at least 40 days after that. And um And, um, I do believe that God and Nick, you know, it's just a feeling because that room started to feel holy. It felt divine. A lot of times I felt like they were having their own conversation together. And, um, and I think that, you know, when Nick finally passed, it was because he was at peace and, um, and, and, and that was just, you know, the, the course that it took. Yeah. Man, the, the, you know, as a person in the arts, as you are, uh, I wanted to ask you this. So often we have on a program like this people from Broadway and TV and the rest. And and I'll be honest with you, there's a, sometimes a, a striking lack of faith. Uh, people call themselves agnostic or atheist. Uh, Victoria Clark, the actress, and Kelly O'Hara were both on. And they said as active believers, they felt sometimes very much alone and isolated in the uh, arts community. Have you felt that way? And when you do, what do you do to make sure that you, you stay strong? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I agree with them. And then I also kind of feel like um, not necessarily when you start, when you start saying or praying in front of people, then, then the other believers are like, Oh, are you saying a <laughs> prayer before you go on stage? Can I join you? It's like, um, I don't want to say a secret society, but I think, yes, but I think it's because of the stigma of that religion doesn't support necessarily the, the extreme differences that, and opinions of of the arts and people in the arts. And so I think that there's that, that divide, but I actually feel like um, the more you speak up about it, that divide is broken down. And, um, you know, one of the things that I was a part of in one of my national tours, which I, was such a beautiful thing, because on tour, you sort of really just feel lost. You don't have any real responsibilities except for going to your show at night. You're staying in hotel after hotel after hotel. Nothing's 
real, you know? Mm -hmm. And so we started a Wednesday Bible study and it was wonderful. And the group started out as four people. And by the time we ended, it was like 25 people and not everyone was a believer. A lot of times people were just coming to mm-hmm. learn. And it, we made it such a safe space where you could ask questions, where you could challenge, we could challenge each other's opinions. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget some of those Bible studies. They were just beautiful. And it was such a great kind of community to have, especially when not, you're on the road and you kind of feel very communityless and lost. Speaking of the arts, I wanted to ask you this. I had the chance to, the privilege of seeing you guys together and bullets over Broadway, uh, and I, I loved it. And uh, whether all the critics did or not, I loved it. So <laughs> I mentioned it because you, you guys, you know, you you find each other in the midst of your dedication to the arts. How do you feel about uh, Elvis possibly heading in that direction? Is it a world you'd want for him? Uh, you know, listen, I would be I would be a hypocrite if I held him against not doing it. Um, I think the arts are a wonderful place to have a profession. I really do. I mean, it teaches you so many life lessons, discipline, resilience, um, you know, just, oh gosh, pounding that pavement every day, strength, um, community, communication skills. It's fantastic. Um, but I think I would just be very, very honest with him about how hard it is and how hard you have to work. But I've met my best friends. I met my husband, my the, his yes. father. I, I've met the most amazing, eclectic group of people that are forever in my life, have forever changed my life because of the arts. So I don't think I would ever discourage him from it. I would just make sure he knows. You know, Nick always said, you don't go into this profession knowing you could do something else. You go into it because <laughs> it's the only thing you can think about doing with your life. Wow. And um, and I think you kind of have to have that mindset in order to do this because yeah. it's too heart wrenching every day. <laughs> <laughs> and part of why it's heart wrenching is because uh, more often than not, the parts that you thought you were perfect for don't come. And rejection is is just part and parcel of every actor's experience. So yeah. when you and, and Nick would face that, you guys were workers, but sometimes every every person in the arts gets a no when they hoped for that wonderful yes how did you and how did nick handle the disappointment of uh, not getting that part that rejection yeah no you know and that's where it is helpful to have a partner who's in your business you Mm -hmm. know because they do understand that that empathy for honey i know you really wanted that job and you didn't get it um you know Gosh, I don't know if there's anything specific that, you know, that we did for each other, but I think that we were just always there for each other. We just, you know, you, when you walk those shoes every day, you know how to step right into them when your person needs you. So I think we were just, you know, there for each other at that time. And it really, really did help because there were, you know, and the ironic thing is, is retrospectively, you get to look back and you say, gosh, thank God I didn't take that job because if <laughs> I would have been doing that job, I wouldn't have been on this job. And this job is like, you know, blah, 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 blah happened. So mm-hmm. that's always the best part about it. But I think you just I think we were just there for each other. 
Amanda has written this great book, Live Your Life. And I mentioned that because I thought in reading the book that you're going to come to this beautiful conclusion that it's true, that time heals all wounds. But Amanda, that's not really what you're saying. In fact, you're saying that uh, even with time, there are times as you move further away from Nick's death where it's even more painful. Uh, why do you think that is? And is there a road out of that pain? Oh, I don't know. Um, I feel like grief is this roller coaster ride that you just have to, well, you don't have to, you know, but you're forced to, I guess, get in the roller coaster cart and close the door and then you're just on it. And um, I do think grief gets harder with time because I think you, everyone, everyone goes about living their life. They assume you're doing better with time. Mm -hmm. So the, the love, the attention, the help, um, slowly decreases, of course. So everyone has to get back to their lives. So that attention you get as soon as somebody passes, of course, dissipates. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything against that, but it's hard mm -hmm. when you see other people move on and your life, you still wish you had the life that you had before, mm -hmm. or you miss the person and it's hard to be around, you know, um, couples, happy couples, or, or a mom and dad walking their kid down the street in a stroller. Um, it's heartbreaking. And I think too, with Elvis, you know, I see him growing up. Right. And yeah. when Nick passed, he was just over a year, still not doing too much, you know, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, now I see him and I see him playing and the things, the silly things he says, and it just guts me. Cause I just am like, Oh my God, what would your dad do right now? How would you, how would you be interacting with him? What funny things would you be saying? You know, I don't get to look over and see them playing together. And I mean, it's making me tear up right now because it's, <laughs> and that, those are things that, you know, you will forever be a part of my life, you know? So that's yeah. why I don't know how this road gets easier because I will, everything he does, first day of school, first baseball game, first, oh my God, if he gets on stage and does a performance, it, I will be a basket, you know, yeah. case. So um, it's hard. I, I think grief will, This I, I did a post on my Instagram about grief and how it's a, this perfectly sized ball and it doesn't change. The size of that ball never changes. It's the same size. It's the same loss. It's just, we grow around it in a different way because we have to, you have to reinvent yourself. So in the beginning of grief, you're small around it. And then you learn to reinvent yourself and you grow around it, but the ball stays the same size. Amanda, people will say, as you just kind of touched on that certain uh, holidays become particularly challenging. Uh, if someone's lost their mother going through their first mother's day, uh, Father's Day the same, but f for you, I was wondering how well or how poorly do you face a wedding anniversary when your partner's in heaven? The Well, it's in September, so the first one I had was this, you know, past 2020, and it was only a couple months after Nick passed. Didn't go well. <laughs> it was a hard day. It was a really, really hard day. I tried to make it joyous. I um, I released a duet that I uh, worked on uh, with with Nick. That he, you know, he never knows it. I sang with him on a on a previous recording he did. So I released that to help 
you know, kind of get his, you know, celebrate him and get his music out on the day of our anniversary. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah, I no. don't know. Yeah. It's um, anniversaries are hard, but I will share with you a beautiful anecdote on uh, July 5th was his anniversary of his passing. And it was the last of my firsts, you know, they call the first year after uh, somebody passes your, your first. So this was my last first. And my really good girlfriend had a dream of Nick. And she said, Amanda, I walked into a room and he was sitting right next to you and you guys were just beaming and you were so happy. And I walked over to him and I was like, what are you doing here? It's so good to see you. And he said to her, she goes, Amanda, in all seriousness, he looked at me and said, what do you mean? July 5th is my birthday. It's a day I get to celebrate and come down and be with everyone I love. Wow. And she, I still get chills telling the story and she tells me this story. And I was like, oh my gosh, what if we reframe the day we die yeah. with it's your new birthday. Yep. And it's actually the day we're birthed into whatever it is that we're birthed into on that day. I mean, mm -hmm. think of birth, a dark chant, you know, a dark canal with a light and then the baby comes out and it's crying and it's like, what just happened? And everyone there it, that, that they don't know loves them is there to love them, right? And catch them and hold them and cuddle them. And I was like, why couldn't death be the same thing? A dark canal leading to this beautiful light where we are burst into a new room where everyone's there going, you made it, you're here, yeah. happy birthday. <laughs> and so I'm going to carry that along. I've, I've now turned July 5th into Elvis and I will always celebrate as next birthday. I want to thank Amanda Klutz for being with us on Personally Speaking. I hope all our listeners and watchers will get hold of Live Your Life because what you saw today, what you listened to today, this woman with great enthusiasm, great passion, great faith, uh, great ability to articulate uh, what her heart says about her husband, about her child, about uh, the society around us and the support she got and the family she has. It's all in this book. Happily, Amanda, you you talk and write in a very similar way. And it's oh, a great thanks. gift because when you read the book, you feel like you're talking to Amanda again. Amanda, thank oh. you so much for the life lessons you give us and, and the hope you give us that uh, as you and I both believe and now Nick experiences uh, this, this life of ours is part of the story. But there's a great chapter yet to be written, and it's called Heaven. And uh, so I believe, you know, that great passage in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, uh, when I go, you will grieve and mourn and miss me because we've loved each other, but I shall see you again. And when I see you again, our hearts will be filled with a joy that no one can take from us. And I can't oh. wait. I hope I get to be a witness when you and, and Nick get to wrap your arms around each other in heaven. Amanda, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you today. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me at personallyspeakingpodcast at gmail.com. To go see past episodes of our show, go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jamosanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com or for past shows, go to www.closeencountertv.com. Click on the radio button at the top of the page. You can also get our shows at www.ollmp.org uh, and also get a weekly homily from Monsignor Jim. 
Personally Speaking is also on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Shemasanti. And we're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Personally Speaking is made possible because of the support of so many of you. Thank you for your help and support. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Janovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you again next time on Personally Speaking.